Well, hello, everybody. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2019. It's amazing. We, mm-hmm. we got through the holidays. We're, uh, I'm starting to get screeners for the SAG. Uh, nice. SAG after screening yep, abilities. The, uh, my WGA card is burning a hole in my pocket, ready to go see uh, uh, some free movies. Gotta go see some free screeners. Mm-hmm. I'll see anything. Mm-hmm. Um, Happy New Year, buddy. How were your holidays? Good, good. They were good. We uh, we got to go to uh, Washington D.C. to visit and see the uh, Smithsonian shut down. So we had oh. we got to go. We got two days worth of uh, showing the kids the Smithsonian. Oh. So uh, yeah, I'm gonna shut down. But it was a um, it was like a real cool game of cat and mouse in Washington to try to find what's open, what's closed, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> turns out Capitol open. Smithsonian closed. <laughs> the um, and the National Archives closed, but uh, um, Library of Congress open. Oh. So you know, so it was a it was a hit or miss kind of thing. Just ride the metro till you find something's open, and then. <laughs> And uh, explain to the kids, this is how your government works. So, yeah, this is... This is the failure of democracy. This is what it looks like, guys. Yeah, take a good look. Yeah, because this might be the last time you ever see it. Uh, By the time you get to be mommy and daddy's age, you'll be fighting over drinkable water. Yeah, this will be um, in ruins surrounded by rats the size of cars. Yeah, so So, learn how to use a crossbow. Yeah, yeah, so um, good luck. Don't worry about the uh, SATs. So, <laughs> so the just, East Coast yeah, will be underwater yeah, by 2040, yeah, kids. Yeah, Have worry. fun. So, um, but all in all, you know, it was good. I'll tell you the one, the stuff that wasn't closed that is always spectacular is like the Lincoln Memorial. Yeah. Um, and the, you know, did you go they, to the Jefferson Memorial? So, no, we didn't. We did uh, Lincoln, and then anything within walking distance of that, <laughs> we did uh, um, the Lincoln Memorial, and the there is an amazing Korean War Memorial oh, that wow. uh, has these amazing. That's statues. fairly new, isn't it? It is. Yeah. That's the Forgotten War. Yep. And then we kept walking, and we got to the World War II uh, Memorial, which is fantastic too. The one thing I had never been to that our um, uh, um, our host uh, Christy Marino is in earbuds. Mm-hmm. She took us to um, the Pentagon has a 9/11 memorial yeah. that is spectacular, yeah. mm-hmm. and it was uh, it was really um, uh, beautiful and of course very sad and tragic. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, each person who died in the Pentagon 9/11 attack has a, um, a memorial that's a bench that's in the shape of an airplane wing, and the ones oh, wow. that died on the plane are pointed towards the Pentagon. The ones that died inside the Pentagon are pointed outwards. Oh, so yeah, it's um, it's a really um, um, very moving memorial. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so it was a good trip. Mm-hmm. Well, welcome back, uh, yeah. everybody. We're here. Did you episode, do some surfing? I did a little. Mm-hmm. It's cold this time of year. Yeah. And uh, I have done some surfing. Though. Yeah. Um, not, it's been cold and rainy. It's, I don't surf when it rains. Mm. Um, you don't want to get wet. <laughs> <laughs> I love listening to non-surfers talk. I love their, boy, their brain works. They think there's sharks everywhere, yeah, yeah. jumping out of the kitchen sinks. And well, no, not if it's raining. You're not going to have sharks. <laughs> there's a water runoff yeah, issue yeah. in Los Angeles, a, Christopher. You know, the the rain attracts giant squids, but other than that, you know, sharks, no problem. So <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't talk to non-surfers. I don't like talking to non-surfers. I don't understand them. Yeah. They say crazy things like this. This is why we hang out at yeah. the beach and we don't. Isn't like- surfing just upside down rain? <laughs> <laughs> Make that into a shirt. Surfing is just upside down rain. Chris Mancini, yeah. back in action. Uh, yeah, hashtag. Uh, it's episode 449, yeah. everybody. We are halfway to 898. We got a lot of movies to talk about because, yes. the, you know, we, we're going to be talking about Aquaman, um, Bird Box, Roma, and. Uh, 
Um, also, you know, the Golden Globes were uh, a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. I was sporting the worst um, monologue of any award show I've ever seen ever. Oh. Uh, it was fantastic. You know, it was like, well, what four-year-old can we get to write monologue jokes? <laughs> and, uh, oh, it's so competitive. There's a lot of four-year-olds who want to do it. I was in a Korean spa. I didn't notice. Yeah, then uh, it was thing. a much better place yep. to be. Um, so uh, let's introduce our guest. How about our guest? First yeah. time guest. Mm-hmm. We've never had these two gentlemen mm-hmm. on. Uh, Freddie Wong and Matt Arnold. Hey, hello. From tell everybody the name of your movie podcast that's on Maximum Fun Network. Yeah, we have a podcast called Story Break. We basically take an hour to attempt to break a movie in a sort of screenwriting sense for a property we don't have any rights to whatsoever. <laughs> so we've done in the past everything from like, what if Jar Jar Binks had his own Star Wars movie? What if Flo from Progressive they want a cinematic universe of the uh, Kellogg serial character? Sure. So, so you it don't, is anything so you don't take existing movies and break down the story. You so, actually. Occasionally. So occasionally there'll be, we found ourselves actually just recently, uh, this, la- this last episode, we found ourselves c- coming back fresh from the, uh, the new year and none of us had seen Bird Box, although it seems like everybody on earth mm-hmm. had seen it. And mm-hmm. none of us really understood what Bird Box was. So we like, just thought like we no would try trailers, to break just the, <laughs> what our Bird Box is, just knowing that Sandra Bullock in a blindfold. So the movie is called Bird Box. It features Sandra Bullock in a blindfold. That is the only, it, we depart significantly from the uh, Netflix premise from that point. We did, mm-hmm. th- we did go on to see it. So we are proud. I would say that at least our that. movie definitely clarifies why it's called Bird Box. And a lot mm-hmm. of humans turn into actual birds birds so mm-hmm. i was a fan of that yeah but so, did she win the beauty pageant at the end absolutely <laughs> yeah Sandra Bullock, yeah american sweetheart always does she's, yeah. a, she's an fbi agent essentially yeah. came mm-hmm. from and an we- astronaut <laughs> <laughs> that's right <laughs> yep we had very little success taking like you know like a year really working on a script and like pitching it and like getting it made so we decided to just kind of go with a shotgun approach of just kind of bullshitting scripts every hour for mm-hmm. every single week and just hope that's kind of what makes our career yeah, and putting that. all the chips on that one, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rolling them bones. 2019, here we go. This is it. <laughs> well, all right. Well, let's get into it. Yeah, let's yeah, talk let's about go. it. So apparently I'm the only one who saw Aquaman. Yep. C- congratulations. Yeah. I'm going to guess I'm the only one with children. Yeah. I got a kid on a way. Oh. And that's why. Sorry did, if my phone goes I, off. And you did not yeah. want to subject your pregnant wife. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I would have gone if, you know, she, could, she wasn't about to pop a baby She's going to go mm-hmm. into labor. Yeah, the lack of story structure. Or yes. <laughs> what's going to happen? Yeah, water, water is going to break. <laughs> hey, there it is. You're, did you like pre-write water jokes leading I, I into this? I did. Thing? It's so weird. I had them like, oh, so I've had them for six months. I haven't. <laughs> I finally get to use them. So, um, All right, uh, buddy. anyway, I, I, let me start out by saying this movie benefited from one very specific thing, and that is extremely low expectations because the uh, DC Universe movies have been anywhere from one watchable one to the rest are basically abominations. I mean, I I use that word very uh, um, accurately, I think. (laughs) Um, So, so the... um, Stop it! So... It won't stop. I'm trying to stop. All right. There you go. Okay. So, anyway... I mean, it's uh, tough being a DC fan. It's tough being yeah. a DC fan. Now, it, it's not, again, it's not the source material's fault. It's mm-hmm. not the hero's fault. Yeah. It's, um, it's everything after that that mm-hmm. can be blamed. So this movie, um, was it as good as Wonder Woman? No, of course not. Uh, but it was probably, and this is a weird compliment, 
it's the second best DC Universe movie. (laughs) But again, because the bar is so low. Like, is it a great movie? No, it's not a great movie. Is it... Um, fun and popcorny. Let me put it this way: it's it's a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Like they finally go, you know, we got to do less Zack Snyder, more James Gunn, and that's yeah. kind of where this movie started going. And it's over the top. It's silly. It's ridiculous. It's like you know, it's an effects fest. It's like remember that movie Speed Racer? You oh. know, it's it's like that. It's you, an, you have two fans of Speed. Yeah, you're the biggest Speed Racer fans. It's a. Uh, I mean, I was a fan of the original cartoon, but, uh, <laughs> but not necessarily the the movie. Uh, but oh. this this is like a uh, an underwater eye punch. Mm-hmm. It really is like every single thing is like oh more CG effects more you know. Uh, and it just wasn't necessary to just overload, you know, this entire, like it was these sweeping giant war scenes that only lasted a couple seconds. So I'm like, mm-hmm. God, all so, I mean, it's nice to see that every visual effects artist in the world got work, you That's know, on, good. uh, you know, on one movie. Um, cause you know, the credits just took forever to yeah. go by and it was like visual effects, visual effects, visual effects. But so it was very bloated. It was too long. It was, uh, but the thing that it was, it was fun in parts, which yeah, was, yeah. you know, something that's been completely lacking until Wonder Woman. So I think there was definitely a lesson learned. And I think it's doing well and getting, you know, it's getting mixed reviews, but it's getting good reviews because everyone was like, just give us something mediocre well, you know, and, yeah. uh, and we'll be happy. It's made a ton of yeah. money now. Yeah. It had a $160 uh, million dollar yeah. budget. It's done 260 in the US and close yes. to a billion worldwide. Yeah. Right. Which is pretty. Pretty yeah. amazing to me. Yeah. And I, 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 how was he as the lead? I mean, he was he's good. Jason Momoa is good. Uh, Nicole packs. Kidman is good. If they are <laughs> yeah. good packs on display. Ooh, yeah. Okay, well, that's yeah. the most important thing. Right. You know, Amber Heard is really great. Mm-hmm. You know, you haven't seen her really in a lot of in a while. I think this is kind of going to kind of vitalize her career for sure. Um, you know, Willem Dafoe is in it for a little bit. Uh, you know, Patrick I did not Wilson. realize William Defoe was in this movie. He is. He's in this movie. He's a not uh, as the Green Goblin. Though. No, he's not. He's like <laughs> okay. an advisor. It's you know. Again, this is one of the problems with these movies. It's like, you know, are there only six actors that can be in superhero movies? We seem to be yeah, like I recycling feel, the same. I, yeah, ones I do feel like if you're a modern again. actor at this moment, yeah. you're sitting around, and be like, I wonder if it's going to be DC or Marvel yeah. that rings the old phone. <laughs> yeah, or, or be, it's going to be both. It's right. Going to be yeah. You know, it's going to. I'm going to do one here and one there, and I'm like, well, no, there's other actors in Hollywood. We could. Yeah. It doesn't have to be William. Truly, Defoe. the Pepsi Coke debate. Yeah, all yeah. Over again. <laughs> so I, I will say this movie is a mixed bag. It was um, it was fun in parts, completely bloated and ridiculous in others. So it, it's it's definitely a plane movie for oh, and it's, it's perfect it's, airplane it, movie. Yeah, it's definitely but, one of those movies where you're not going to get mad after watching it, but you're not going to go, "This was amazing." Mm-hmm. So then. Is it because we were debating this when we watched the trailer? Mm-hmm. Uh, because some of the effects, especially underwater scenes, look so right. amazing. Is that yeah. like, oh, you got to see them on a big screen or see it in three D? Or you know, it's um, it's definitely because there's it, it, it's a weird thing because it's not even the effects is it's more it's quantity over quality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like like you have these. You know, sweeping army scenes with like giant crabs and squids playing drums and like all these weird things. Like in a big screen, you'll see everything, but as far as just like um, getting like um, overwhelmed and just like immersed in the actual effects, you don't really. It's just more overload. Mm-hmm. There's just more information rather than anything groundbreaking. Like, uh, like you weren't a, like, thank God, I'm watching this on the big screen. Not really. Yeah. No, no. But uh, um, it, it's now. 
and we saw it on an IMAX screen too, mm-hmm. so it was even bigger. <laughs> uh, but maximum sensor. Yeah, overall. yeah, yeah. So, but it was really it was more volume. Like if you want to see like. I guess not groundbreaking or better special effects. Like a good example is Doctor Strange. Those were mm-hmm. interesting and different. And, uh, you know, there was definitely some care into making them unique. This was just more. Mm-hmm. More sea creatures, <laughs> more seahorses, more sharks that yeah. were riding. Just more everything. More, this was, just, uh, more lights. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, Nicole Kidman was was really good. Like the, the thing that made this movie charming was everyone looked like they were having a good time. Like it was just fun and kind of silly. And which uh, is definitely different from yeah. a lot of the DC movies, yeah, yeah, where it feels different. like everybody was this was there like, at gunpoint. Yeah. and is miserable. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes, <laughs> can't wait to leave. Yeah. <laughs> this was like just Guardians of the Galaxy underwater. This is what we're yeah. going for, and that's yeah. the tone that they were. Well, let me to ask make. you guys. So obviously, I mean, I know I've talked about it on the show, but having seen the tra- multiple trailers of this, yeah. why did, have you not rushed out to see it? Oh, it's a tough I'm one. 32 now. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally because I want. To, I was going to ask, is it like the, the one thing that got me excited? Say, one, I like James Wan. Like, I liked the last uh, Fast and Furious that he did. I think he's got mm-hmm. cool style. He does action well, so I was curious if like you thought the action stuff was cool. But he does big, silly, fun yeah. action. Yeah, like, like like that yeah. that truck scene, and the creepy, RV scene, and 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 creepy low budget horror yeah, movies. Yeah, he's so. got some style, so I thought it'd be fun. Somebody said it felt like the old. Um, Brendan Fraser, The Mummy, which is like one of my wife's favorite movies. Oh. I was like, oh, maybe if it's that sort of fun, charming thing, we should go rush and it's see it. It's definitely in that vein for yeah. sure. Oh, cool. Uh, cool. Yeah, and, and it's it's deliberate and intentional to be there. Now, that's not to say that the dialogue could have used a um, another pass yeah. to being less dumb, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was one scene that just really stuck out. Now, this is a this is not really a spoiler. It's a very it's very small. If it is, it's a very small spoiler at the beginning. You know, he fights Black Man on a submarine. And mm-hmm. then, you know, Black Man's father is trapped. And Black Man says, oh, you got to save my father. And he's like, um, no, I'm not. You know, you killed all these people. I'm ask the sea for mercy. I'm like, okay. Well, clearly, this is going to start a, uh, <laughs> um, a super villain slash superhero, mm-hmm. um, you know, arch enemy, you know, arc. Yeah. And, of course, it did. But then there was a dialogue later on in the movie that said, well, because he felt bad about it. He felt remorseful. And another character goes, well, it's in the past. Okay, well, now you're off the hook. You don't have to worry about letting uh, somebody's father die right in front of you. So I'm like, really? You're going to you're gonna take that one moment of humanity and actually him yeah. having some regret and then just like, well, it's all right. Don't worry about it. Like, I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, uh, like there, was, there was a moment like that. There was a couple kind of like that. And then there's, of course, the, a bunch of like plot things where you're like, was that necessary or did that really make sense? But, you know, you're so overwhelmed by yeah. like, you know, giant crabs and you know, a, a squid playing but so, drums. So, Brady, what's your sort of going into it, why you weren't that fired Yeah, up you know, like, it. I gotta say, on the surface, it should not be that hard a sell, right? In the same way Thor works, God of Thunder, right? You can kind mm-hmm. of do like a, you know, Greek god. It's Poseidon. Do a Poseidon-esque story. We should be able to live in that. I think one of the things that's tough in this environment when you're talking about underwater is that necessarily you're going to live in CG world. Right. Unless you're mm. seeing tons of articles about how they all held their breaths for a while <laughs> and trained, you know, yeah. it's going to you, you necessarily have to live in CG world here. Right. right. And 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 it's like you don't have any of the sort of breath of fresh air that even like Dr. Right. Strange you can get by just being like, right. cool, we're in a real place. And there's even this stuff like they tried to explain, but not really like, all right, well, if you can talk on land, like, how are you able to talk underwater? Is that how does the sound travel? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. How do you breathe? And like then they had these weird like, well, if you're royalty, you can breathe on land. <laughs> like, like, ah, very what? good. Very what good. A, how does royal blood like um you know give you lungs is that yeah. exactly you know <laughs> you to make a, a deal with ursula yeah to take yeah the it's yeah. Uh, it's something like they had a couple really you know insane things that were like uh all right well 
But here's the thing. Because the tone was so light and goofy. You can go like, with it, right? You went yeah. with it a little easier than if it was like dark and brooding. Yeah. And like, these are the rules and we're going to follow them. So, yeah. so it was a little more forgivable. Um, you know, again, it was probably 60 to 70% towards a good movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. So then is that, so, the, is the CG well, thing? Well, so the like- CG thing was just tough for me because it's like at a certain point for me, it's like, I don't know, it just feels like I'm, the trailers made me feel like cool. It feels like a video game cutscene. If they had said, like if they had said, because they, they talk about Fury Road, but like, you know, Fury Road and Mission Impossible, obviously Aquaman made a lot of money. But if they had said like, we did some crazy ass underwater stunts or like we've crashed a real boat we probably would have been a little bit more like yeah, we gotta go yeah, see this yeah. in theaters to go check out what yeah. they did action wise because I mean, that, that's it, actually the name of the octopus hitting the uh, drums topo uh-huh. and, he was in, and uh, james wan was was inspired to do that after watching mad max fury road saying if that film could have a guy playing a flaming guitar i'm gonna have an octopus drumming in mine <laughs> and like which i hear is I the highlight know. which i hear is the I highlight how that there. matches but uh okay all right i mean i i honestly thought it was just a uh, a joke to like the little mermaid and like under the oh. sea so I'm like, yeah, oh, I mean, that's it's yeah. tough it's tough because these comic book movies build momentum for me right like and so marvel has a little bit more goodwill on my yeah. end for momentum right yes. so it's like i see a couple clunkers and I'm just like already i'm like it's gonna take quite a bit right it's gonna take more than middling reviews to get me back on this train because right. getting on these trains nowadays with these franchises it feels like you're committing yourself to, <laughs> you know what i mean like it's like for a second, second, i thought you go. meant a literal train i was like mm-hmm. well yeah. you're committing yourself to a, a probably a higher ticket price and all that because yeah, yeah. you know because it's got to be an imax and you, you you bring up a good point which is i the thor world is my least favorite Marvel world. And part mm-hmm. of it is in the cinematic universe of like, I don't want to spend my whole time in CG land, mm-hmm. out in crazy mm-hmm. Ragnarok world, whatever. No, it's interesting because you're not a huge fan of fantasy movies. And those are really modeled after like Lord of the Rings right. type films. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. It does. And then, but because going to what you said, mm-hmm. uh, Freddie, Marvel has built up so much goodwill that I'll go to the Thor movie right. and have a good time. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I think too, Going to touching on Doctor Strange, what made this the, the effects and CG of Doctor Strange so powerful was we spent so much time in the regular world that when we went to that world, man, it was magical versus yeah. after a while, it sounds like it sort of wears thin. And that yeah. was my same concern yeah. of watching these trailers of one, DC has not built up a lot of goodwill with me. And when we saw Wonder Woman, I'm like, this is going to be a standalone. Yeah, DC ain't gonna get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, so I'll say this, right? So this is my opinion, that I, I hold this just. This is just me, but my opinion is that Marvel movies are a lot like the Cheesecake Factory. In that, <laughs> any given meal at the Cheesecake Factory, it's never gonna be bad, right? Mm-hmm. It's never gonna be the greatest meal you've ever had either. It'll be a good, solid meal like you'll get a thing you'll read some ads you know like this menu is a little too thick there's too much of, there's, there's too, too many much of it there's too many options <laughs> to order but you no know matter what? what you're eating it's gonna it's be like comfort pretty good. food it's, it's like gonna pretty be com- good. It's comfort it's food. big portions yeah big, yeah. Portions. yeah big portions pretty good right mm. and it feels like the dc world is like it feels like the chilies at the airport being like listen guys <laughs> <laughs> we're coming in hard here you're gonna love this and it's like all right you know it's you gotta look at a little ways to go you gotta, you gotta the, build the good flight got delayed and you're only it's either that or the Sabaro, and you're like, exactly. Nah, yeah. 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 I guess, sure. <laughs> you know what? I guess, you know what? I need to sit down. I need a place for my bag. That is yeah. the right now. You know what I mean? Right. And I think, it's, and I hope that as they kind of get their footing, and although it feels like it's been like a couple years of them attempting to figure out what exactly said footing is, you know, I want to get, I want them to get to that point. Maybe this is the footing, though, based on what you're saying. No, I Chris. dig that, and I dig, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. that maybe that they're finally going. Okay, they obviously went. 
you you know there was notes like we gotta you know we gotta guardian guardians this up yeah, or whatever yeah, right but the fact that they're getting their sense of humor and and what the the dc you know tone is versus just chasing trends and not and bailing on their own source material um because they're just cha- they're just chasing marvel and it's like wonder woman yes. is when they finally went mm. oh the source material that's what yeah. marvel has done so well yeah. right i trust it maybe trust we should it. read yeah, it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> i think also that goodwill comes from just like people love those characters and i think they really concentrate on aquaman like i still barely knew what the story was but they were like um you know the main character they're like you're gonna like aquaman like let's put him on snl mm. let's make him likable they picked a really likable right. actor and it's like the goodwill for marvel movies is like you you want to see chris evans you know you want to see yeah. these people play the 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 characters you love, whereas the DC movies, now, not so much. Now, the uh, James Wan, the director, revealed he had a choice choosing to direct between Flashpoint um, and Aquaman. Now, Flashpoint says 2020. We'll see if that changes, but mm-hmm. that's going to be a really interesting story. You know, that there's already an animated DC movie, mm-hmm. Flashpoint, which is really good, but if they're going to do a live-action version of it, basically, the Flash messes up the timeline and goes to a different Earth where um, all the heroes are different. It's something a little bit off changed everything like batman um bruce wayne actually died and his father thomas wayne became batman so like little changes like that are in the flashpoint universe and aquaman and wonder woman um are actually at war with each other so the um, atlantis is fighting themiscara and the rest of the world is caught in the middle and this is all because the flash changed history just a little bit so the entire story is him trying to fix this and um, so it's really, really interesting. And uh, it could make for a great movie. The thing that's um, sometimes fans don't necessarily like as much because they like these characters. Right. Yeah. Like you're only going to see like the Flash and then everyone else is going to be like an alternate uh, like not like they're character. Real. Right. Right. So you've got, you know, Thomas Wayne as Batman. Then all the villains are different. Like uh, um, um, Martha Wayne actually becomes the Joker after seeing her son murdered, like things like that, things are a little, you know, different yeah. in that in that universe. But I think it's a great premise for a feature film, especially mm-hmm. in DC Universe, because you can take so many risks and chances and actually make something interesting because you've got this playground to play in. Let's see what happens to it. You know, the next announcement might be like uh, Flashpoint directed by Brett Ratner. You know, there might be <laughs> there might be something goes off the rails very quickly, but I'm hoping that this uh, this will be a more interesting. The film. only thing I want mm-hmm. is like in Back to the Future Two, where they have like that that movie theater with the alternate thing. I want them to come mm-hmm. in and says like mm-hmm. you know replaying George Miller's Justice League, and they all talk mm-hmm. about how the Marvel movies like those big bombs. Like if they don't mm-hmm. take a shot at Marvel movies in their mm-hmm. alternate universe, yeah. like no respect. <laughs> well, they, they yeah, I, want, did I t- want old school beef. Yeah, I yeah. want yeah. That beef. East Coast West. I want that beef. Jack in the Box versus McDonald's. Yep. You know yeah. stuff. Teen Titans Go did. You know they yeah. took, they could take shots at everybody. And to be fair, it sounds like the DC animated side. Tends is to oh, super good. Yeah, it's so good. good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. They, so it's not that it's not in their DNA. It's in there. Right. They just got to find it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, all right. So, um, you know, I, I, the best way to see Aquaman is with low expectations, and you might actually enjoy <laughs> and it. And 40,000 mm-hmm. feet in the air. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. So, Bird Box. Um, yes. Uh, Chris, you have not seen it? I have it? seen it. Oh, all four oh. of us have seen oh. it. Yeah, okay. So, so, let's, right. so, let's, this is interesting. It's been a little bit of a phenomenon in terms of like. Maybe we should do a spoiler on Bird Box. 
Possibly. Mm. I mean, there's the bird box challenge, which is hands down one of the dumbest things I've ever heard people do on the internet, <laughs> yep. which is walk around blindfolded in their neighborhoods. Do you and, think, by the way, do you think blind people are like, what the hell, man? Blind people are like, <laughs> yeah. you guys are the idiots. Really? Yeah. yeah, really. A challenge, huh? Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to every 24 7, 365 of my life, Joe. They just be like, God sighted people are stupid. Yeah. They're yeah. so yeah. dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, so so all right, let's 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 go into that. Freddie, you start us off on what you thought about Bird Box. Uh, you know, I would I gotta say I think that just fundamentally they do a structure. So are we doing spoilers? No spoilers. No, no, no spoilers. spoilers. No spoilers. Okay, not really a spoiler. They they structure it in such a way that you're kind of bouncing back and forth between two stories at, at different times, right? So there's there's a little bit of a cross cutting thing that they're doing. There. Yeah, they're they're doing for, for someone who hasn't seen it. So there's the modern day which is society has collapsed mm-hmm, because of mm-hmm. this disease or whatever it is and then she keeps flashing back to five years before and then we sort of see what gets her t- yeah t- what gets us to the modern day of everything's collapsed and mm-hmm. she's got yeah. right right so there's there's kind of this back and forth thing and it really felt like there were two interesting movies that they were kind of going back and forth but by doing this back and forth they were undercutting each other like, I think a lot of the sort of revelations you get in one of the sort of storylines kind of undercuts moments in the previous one. Oh, and so it just kind of doesn't, that to me, like fundamentally is the problem. Because like to me, as I look at that, I'm like, okay, cool. This is either a quiet place-esque, things have collapsed and we are often, you know, the end of the world and it's a survival story. Or it's a tense, the mist-esque, things are collapsing and it's the conflict between human beings. Those are two separate movies, though. Mm-hmm. I think the moment you try and like blend them and shuffle them together in the way they did, it felt kind of unmotivated when we were kind of going back and forth. I think the moment you do that, you kind of just rob both of what the, those movies could have been. And I think that sort of net effect is a, is a sum less than its parts. Hmm. Matt. Matt. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm afraid we watched it together, so pretty similar. I mean, I think it's it's interesting because it's um, I think uh, it's a little less clear. Can I ask you guys this? Yeah, did you sit and watch it in one sitting, or did you break it up? One so sitting. we did because we one did sitting. our yeah because yeah, we did our Bird Box episode where we just came up with a movie that was called Bird Box with Sandra Bullock blindfolded, and they were like, well, now we got to see what the actual movie was. So we sat mm-hmm. down and we did you watch it, it blindfolded? Uh, no, we did the podcast <laughs> blindfolded though, which was actually a pretty good idea. Um, <laughs> but uh, I'm not going to do that. I don't. I don't know what Chris is going to do if I'm blindfolded. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, to Frank's point, it was like because um, I love the the mist um, you know, that came out a couple years ago, especially if you see it in black and white. But it's like when you for that, I didn't re- expect that. I didn't expect that the movie was so much kind of like a group of people because all the trailers I saw was just Sandra Bullock going around the forest. I thought it was like mm-hmm. a very minimalist movie, but there's a lot of the movie that is like a group of people kind of surviving in a house. But because you kind of know where that's going to go because you're cross-cutting to this other stuff, it kind of, to Frey's point, it kind of undercut, especially when I felt like that first 15 minutes was really strong. Like that first like actual breakdown of society where like, you know, the disease or the monster or whatever is going. You see like, the fear and the mass panic. That's a really thrilling really cool. sequence. Mm-hmm. Really cool sequence. Just people losing their shit. Yeah. And it's around. a really, and it's a good, I think it's a really well done sequence. Really well acted. Well, well the whole acted. movie's well acted. I will say the one other thing, because this was actually the first question we had when we were trying to like come up with our own movie was trying to figure out what is the monster. And I don't know. I'm not necessarily, you don't have to explain the monster, but I do think it's so uncertain in the movie that it does affect it. Whereas, like, do you think that the monster could hurt you physically? Like, that was a big question to us. No. Like, when she, yeah, which was a strange, because no. so, so there are sequences when she's running and she's, like, you know, waving a gun around. It's like, I thought the only thing that's worrisome is if you see it, but then should you even be scared if it's, like, you know, around well, the car and stuff? So it's kind of like you were never quite sure what he, here's, the, here's the rules were. It, it does play a little um, fast and loose with the rules, for yeah. sure, because there's also sequences of, like, um, well, they need 
the, the monsters need you to look at them for you to go insane or yeah. them to hurt you. But then also, you know, there's also a scene that was reminiscent of uh, um, the arrival where, like, you see a shadow go past a door. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, then, well, then that denotes that they have a physical presence. Like, which, yeah. so which is it? Uh, so that was never really kind of explained. Yeah. But here's the thing. I think that I actually liked the movie. That didn't bother me as much, the yeah. jumping back and forth from from the uh, the different, uh, basically, storyline timelines. Yeah. Um, because I compare it to A Quiet Place as well, mm-hmm. and A Quiet Place really irritated me. Because mm-hmm. that was such a, you know, a um, suspending disbelief heavy lift that I couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this one, I think, because they kept it so vague, um, I was able to suspend the disbelief a little bit more, other than, you know, the military and scientists not figuring out how to use sound against the monsters when a tween's man- malfunctioning hearing aid is what took them down. In a quiet so, place. In a quiet yeah, place. Yeah, 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 yeah. The third yeah. act of so, that was a little yeah. so, uh, convenient. <laughs> so, uh, but this one, I, I, it didn't bother me. Now, I did a little research on it, mm-hmm. and it turns out um, the producers did want to actually show the monsters. Yeah, and, we were looking shot, at the pictures of it. They shot some scenes with the monsters, but it came out, they said Sandra Bullock was laughing so hard. <laughs> like, it came out no. so, like, it just didn't look right that yeah. they actually cut the whole my, my, my heart goes out yeah. to all the effects people who spent yeah. time building a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. it's too goofy, huh? Yeah. Oh, gee. Oh, I mean, it definitely, for, for a horror movie, it was nice to see it. It, it took, it, it definitely dealt with like serious issues. Like, as somebody, you yes. know, personally who's like three weeks away from having a kid, like mm-hmm. Sandra Bullock's character is going through, like, she's going to have her first kid. Is she going to love it when it first comes out? And definitely the movie has this thematic kind of undertone throughout the whole thing. It has an, it has an undertone parenting, of, which is interesting. Basically it has an undertone of postpartum depression yeah. is really what it has. And, uh, you know, is she going to bond with these kids? Yeah. And, and it also goes through the fact that, you know, and this isn't a spoiler in the trailer that, um, she has two kids in the boat with her and yeah. she doesn't even name them. She yeah. calls them boy and girl. So you could see yeah. it's it's basically the movie is her journey um, through postpartum depression. Really, is what? is a lot of what the movie is. Me and my wife can't settle on a name yet, so I I, I did appreciate that uh, efficiency of just like you know what, <laughs> yeah. just, just girl, girl or girl. boy, yeah, that's good. Yeah, Big boy, and the two of you come to dinner. Right. <laughs> Alternates, gal, dude, so, <laughs> yeah. uh, bro. bro. I, I, I will say I thought it was well acted. I thought yeah. it was well directed. I thought it was well put together, especially again. Low expectations for a Netflix movie. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Netflix has, doesn't have the great, uh, you know, track record with movies. Although I will say this over the holidays, my favorite um, movie news headline was Holmes and Watson so bad, even Netflix wouldn't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> that tells you so, a little bit about yeah, kind of the rep yeah, that they yeah. got. So, and now. I ah. think this is their, um, one of their, uh, efforts to get out of the hole they've dug for themselves well, for shitty movies yeah I, mm. I i i liked it i i thought you know really inventive premise yeah i actually liked the combining of horror and how do we deal with the post-apocalypse because yes. mm-hmm. um to me it's like they just took a um viral post-apocalypse movie and just pushed it a little past into horror mm-hmm. you know like this could have been like we because it was interesting because, you know, we've seen zombie virus post-apocalypse and it turns people crazy and violent mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, we, I've seen that a bunch. So this is sort of uh, an interesting element. 
Um, and it deliberately kept it vague. It gets more specific in the book, I hear, because it's based yeah, it's on the novel. Yeah, I some of the differences, which yeah, is and, interesting. And uh, so I think, uh, but I think it was all good creative decisions, because mm-hmm. I mean, it worked for me. Like, normally I'm like, no, I want it more specific and what's mm-hmm. going on. And Yeah. But, you know, if it's done well, a little bit of um, mystery and, you know, some vague ideas or it can be very effective. And, and I think, you know, there's there was even an article saying, like, it's, it's a, you know, it's, it's, showing like white people are afraid to address racism that's mm-hmm. why they're wearing this i've i've seen that uh, theory which which i don't know maybe that's a very interesting one the reason i asked uh, you guys freddie and matt if you watched it in one sitting i saw it broken up oh mm-hmm. interesting so i was wondering is like is that why the switching back and forth didn't bother me oh i just put that question in there because because i i was like and i guess i because I'm glad they flashed back and forth because I was like, man, I mean, this is going to be an hour, two hours on this boat. Like, well, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a hard, that's a hard thing. To I can't do, see so. anything. To, I mean, like think, the road was a slog, right? I mean, not, I like, I really right. like the road, but like that is a, that's not a movie where you're like, hey, yo, let's go rewatch the road, guys. Like, you want to <laughs> yeah, get another yeah. screening into that before dinner? You know, so I read that book, and after reading oh the book, goodness. I went, you know what? There's no way I'm seeing the movie, yeah. even if it's half as horrific <laughs> oh as my this goodness. book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not watching it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's and the other thing too is, you know, you can only do, and I think the filmmaker did a good job of of minimizing so many camera shots through a ma- a burlap that's just cloudy. Yeah, right. Because you're just like, holy shit! And I think they did a good job of like people stumbling around, tripping, and and there's a sequence with a GPS as like distinctly like clever like because mm-hmm. i remember we were talking about like why wouldn't you like get in cars and stuff and they i don't think it's much of a spoiler to be like the idea of using your phone app or like a gps as like your navigation mm-hmm. it's like it's close like you yeah. know where you're going you don't know if you're gonna be hitting cars or rolling over yeah, bodies no. dead bodies and stuff and like that <laughs> right like that was a cool sequence and i think that stuff is always fun in those type of movies the yeah. other sequence that sequence that made it vague is like when the proximity sensors went off yeah, like, yeah. Well, is there cool. or we're being surrounded by these yeah. things that we can't see and then all of a sudden they're gone like yeah. you know what which, which then to me <laughs> though then during that sequence there's points where they cut out yeah i wish they didn't cut outside, outside the, car. the car for a second which to me i'm like mm-hmm. you you're, it feels like you're robbing the claustrophobia of this uh, tension by being like oh mm. that was a body yeah, or, that's, oh that's, look there's a, these are bodies where as opposed to being like let it play in the sound design and hear it out it, see to me it's like that's a great point it'd be like during the alien sequence in the with the you know when the aliens in the vent if you cut to the alien in the vent like moving and then you know <laughs> where the alien McClane is style. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> now actually i'd watch that movie. i would just, I would just watch alien climbing to the vent <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so to me, I think, and I think Alien me, Vent 3D, yeah. <laughs> I love it. See, to me, because uh, I think again, I think the vagary works for a lot of it. I think there's the moments though where she's sitting around like pointing her gun around, and as the audience member, I'm like, yeah, but does she? Is, is she even if she shoots it, what does this mean? And she's taking pot shots. It's one of those situations where I'm like, yeah, I need to know a little bit more for me to be like actually tense or scared in this sequence, right? And I think it's it's tough because it comes down to fundamentally what we're talking about is we're talking about the act of seeing it turns you, you know, causes problems. Whereas I think whereas I think it worked better in Quiet Place, it's it's easy for me to just stop looking at things. I just close my eyes, boom, done, nailed it, right? it is hard for you in your day-to-day life to not make a sound. So it's like that is an incidental sort of effect of just any action that you do. Whereas at any point, you can just be like, well, I can just not see anything by closing my eyes. So I think that that 
that's, I think, why you have to answer the question in terms of like, how does the monster work a little bit more in order for from not to spend. Also, how many senses stage. left do we have to make horror movies around? Good point. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. They hit the two main ones. You smell this monster. You go the same. <laughs> it's called Silent But Deadly, baby. <laughs> Netflix, hit me up. <laughs> that might be the first movie we sell, Freddie. You did it. <laughs> I can taste the fear. Uh, all right. So, yeah, Bird Box. Well, guys listening, anyone listening, let us know what you think because. Uh, I, you know, this is a definitely, I'm like, I'm glad I watched it. It was Oh, yeah, for sure. The mm-hmm. fact that I kept tuning back in yeah. over a period yeah, of yeah. a couple of days. There's so many Netflix movies I start and just go, oh, yeah, never yeah. again. And this is a movie I would have seen in the theater. Yeah, I would have yeah, liked to have seen it in the theater. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think it yeah. could have enhanced mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Enhanced mm-hmm. it. Well, speaking of, do you watch it at home or in the theater? Yeah. <laughs> Roma. Mm-hmm. Yes. I specifically saw this in a theater. Now, it's interesting. You, um, We had this discussion before the break because I had started watching it. And uh, I was like, nah, you don't really need to see it in a, uh, in a theater. And then I went back and watched the trailer. And then I watched the rest of the movie. And all of the big, sweeping mm-hmm. cinematics uh, scenes that are have beautiful cinematography yeah. um, are towards the second half of the movie yeah, <laughs> that I would have liked to have seen in a, uh, in a big, in a big, uh, on a big screen. But um, even the smaller, um, quieter scenes are still beautifully shot yeah. as well. So what do you guys think of Roma o- overall? Did you, and where did you see it? I saw it I saw it by myself in theaters, and then I took Freddie to go see it like two days later, which is a rough movie to watch twice in uh, three days. Uh, both saw it in the theaters. I loved it. Yeah. That was a masterpiece. I think it's Coral's masterpiece. And I think it's, it's a master class in both staging and cinematography. I like to think that like secretly this is his response to the one takes in The Revenant and, be, and being like, hey, this is how you use one takes in a way that incredibly moves a story forward and it's not show offy and you're not saying they're being like oh this is a big long one take like and you're just drawn into in terms of just the the, the camera positioning the the framing and all that stuff it's just uh just yeah it's if you're if you're, a, if you're a film student um or a film fan look up the word mise scene exactly yeah. because that's really what this whole movie, yeah every shot every is shot. so perfectly i remember uh, right when comprised. i saw it i told freddie i was like one i was like we have to go see it in theaters you have to see it in theaters and it's because it is this is very small story right it's just it's a personal story for him it's a it's a nanny uh taking care of this rich family that's kind of falling apart um but I told Frey, I was like, it's a small story. It is, to me, it was as technically impressive as something like Children of Men or, or Gravity. It's just, yes. especially if you've dealt with, like, we've done, like, if you've dealt with handling actors um, and staging them, there are sequences of just in the streets of just like through a house where there's like seven kid actors and the camera's staying on for four minutes and they're going around a dinner table scene. It's like, I throw me a spacesuit that I go on a green screen any day over compared to some of those shots that were yeah, happening. There were, there were, there said, were moments. Yeah. He said that 90% of the scenes represented in the film are scenes taken out of his memory. Yeah. Like literally like what he remembers is what he ended up shooting. There's a good, um, I think it was Hollywood Reporter. Interviewed yeah, Hollywood him. Reporter did an interview with him. It was cool. Was he talked about also um, nobody knew the script but him. Right. Uh, which is an interesting mm-hmm. thing for non-actors. It was I, I, I was like, oh, this is brilliant because even the actors um, didn't know what was going to happen the next day, which is really interesting for somebody who's like not trained as an actor. They can't, they can't anticipate. They can't be like, Especially oh, in this you're, scene, you're dealing with a bunch of kids. Yeah, because yeah. mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. then they might know like, oh, shoot, the next scene is like when you know a fire happens. So I guess I should play scared. It's like, no, let them live in the moment. And it's like really fascinating, not to mention it just brings up a whole bunch of logistical mm-hmm. issues. I, I mean, I thought this movie was one of the more impressive films, one of the more profound cinematic experiences I've had mm. 
just and that's a lot to say. Yeah, I've watched we, you know all of us. I'm sure I've been watching Watch many films, thousands of mm-hmm. movies, and uh, you know the the instinct to see this. Like anyone out there, if this is playing on a big screen, you have to see it on a big screen. Yeah. You have to like don't. If your only option is at home, okay. Mm. Sit close to the TV. Sit close and turn the light. <laughs> the thing I, I that this has to win best Oscar for sound design. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Because this is. I the was going to say cinematography. Oh, but for I, sure, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. But, but like, need, but staggering sound design. At most, yeah. When was the last time you were at a movie where the sound design blew you away and helped you tell the story? Yeah. This is another reason I think you have to see it in a theater because he's doing these things and, and the movie starts out so. So slow, it's just this oh slice of life of this yeah. woman in Mexico City amidst <laughs> this massive thing that happens. Political upheaval. Political yeah. upheaval. Um, and I'll get into it in a second because Perla, one of our listeners' dad, was living in Mexico City oh, at the wow. time, cool, and she cool. gives us some backdrop into this mm-hmm. to, to show. But like, you know, she's she's just cooking. You just see her just sort of washing the dishes, and then there's like a somebody talking in, in a room in a muffled room and that's the left speaker off my shoulder yeah, and I yeah. feel like I'm in this house and then you hear a dog kind of bark over your right mm. it's unreal he puts you in this neighborhood and then when the big shit happens yeah like so one of the things when is the Corpus Christi massacre yeah that's an actual event and they did this intentionally uh, Perla pointed this out to me she goes if you look at her due date she's like oh I'm due around this time that's when this massacre happened. Oh, wow. And it had been happening for a while. And what is so brilliant uh, that he does, he tells you, you you're in this, ma- this huge political event through the eyes of this housekeeper. And you're seeing the class structure of Mexico City, mm-hmm. you know? And people getting murdered right in front of them. And you yeah. just hear these little things <laughs> like the grandmother goes, oh, I hope they don't shoot the students like last time. Just these yeah. little yeah. lines that you're like, and she was, she was like, telling me all of this because her father was there and and when that happened he was like i'm i'm moving my family to the states Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i mean little things like oh you should talk to your mom you know the government came and took a lot of people's land away that was happening they were going out into the rural areas and taking poor farmers land and just so then you get into the sound design when they're just crib shopping and this shit goes off. Yeah, yeah. And you're hearing the gunfire and the sirens and the craziness. He is so such an amazing filmmaker yeah. at putting you right in it. And the tracking shots. Yes. He shot this on 65 millimeter film. Mm-hmm. His yeah. DP wasn't available, so he was the DP. Yes, I know. Yeah. 65 millimeter <laughs> uh, format digital though, yeah, yeah. which is fascinating. Mm-hmm. He actually did it on digital, and because he just, wanted the digital clean. He wanted look. to feel he like, like to wow to be. A period-looking piece. Mm. The sound design—it's—it's it's kind of back almost to our CGI discussion. What's sound design is so tough because very rarely do sound designers get really be like artsy. Like it's very much like CG. It's like it's not Doctor Strange where you get to do something interesting. It's just do it so it sounds like a battlefield and make it big and make it expensive yeah, and make yeah, it yeah. sound nice. But like Roma is so he he does it in a way that like an artist would like splash color on the screen. Like it's not realistic. It's, it's all of a sudden like, as you said, it's like it's a dog, ugh. right? Like, cause he's using Atmos, which means you can put a sound wherever you want. Right. So it's like, including on the do- uh, ceiling. Yeah. They so it's like in the ceiling too. super loud dog right here. Almost distracting. Almost like, what is, what is that? And he does that throughout the movie. The sound design is so discreet and almost like breaks the rules of a lot of ways you normally do it that, Again, you very rarely how, see that. How many filmmakers are helping to tell their story through the sound design? Yeah, exactly. It's very just, rarely. It, this was this was visual and and audio poetry. Yeah, 
I mean, I think I think he took a lot of lessons he gained from doing Gravity in Atlas yeah, and right. then applied yes. it here. And again, seeing what is interesting is that one-two punch is seeing like the most bombastic technical directing and sound design, and then being like, "Look, I can do this in a big showy sci-fi film. I can also do this in this period grounded drama, and it still hits like a ton of bricks." Well, you know? he shot it on location in Mexico City, and this 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 trivia made me laugh. Is instead of using a soundstage. This is one reason for the several appearance, appearances of airplanes, because according to um, Quaron, they had a plane passing by every five minutes. So, <laughs> so uh, I don't know if that meant that, like, you know, the plane is in the shot when they were shooting, or they heard one and then they CG'd <laughs> yeah, yeah, the plane yeah. in the uh, background just to. So, well, yeah. yeah, we're hearing the plane. We should uh, we should see it so people don't get confused. <laughs> I mean, he shot it over 108 days, which, yeah. like, again, you think like it's because there's probably like 108 shots in that movie. Like it's right. so. But again, he was just such a perfectionist and knew well, exactly what. So he here's a here's to a here's a little trivia that I heard um, from a friend of mine who sort of talked to the casting director. Mm-hmm. So when they're coming out, there's a there's a lady in oh, the yeah, street yeah. and she's. Uh, her, her, you know, a loved one has been shot, and she's screaming for help. He auditioned some hundred people just for that one person, just this incidental pass by extra who mm-hmm. has a line. But he's like, this needs to be the exact right emotion, tone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like that level of detail. Anytime somebody puts that level of effort and detail. That's Kurosawa kind of shit. That's Kurosawa. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's what he did, man. Kur- there's yeah. a, I remember seeing an, mm-hmm. a, a Kurosawa doc, this guy that was an extra who was like, I was 20 years old, mm-hmm. and Kurosawa spent an hour with me. Mm-hmm. And the scene is just like, whatever, some scene in Yojimbo where Mufune just walks by, yeah. and there's just one like right. shopkeeper or something, yeah. and, it, and Kurosawa was like, you need to walk. And that Capra kind of- was the same way. Oh. Yeah, whereas like just people passing by, you know, at a train station, it yeah. gives every person a story. You're late for work, you're like, your wife's yeah. mad at you, and like, <clears> and it's like just- the, and, I, and, yeah. there's, and there's a couple of tracking shots through Mexico City where it's like, you got that sense. And when we were talking about, we were like, yeah, it really feels like Tati, right? It feels like- low like it's, it's like there's such a dense tapestry as you're oh. tracking through and it's like literally every little alcohol it's like every restaurant is open every shop is open there's people moving in there and it's like it's such a there's it's life a, on every yeah, corner 100 yeah, mm-hmm. i think one reason is we're seeing it on the big screen is is even less like it's definitely good to see it on the big screen but it is also i mean it's a slow movie right and sometimes those movies only work if you can allow yourself and it's tough and like you're busy you got your iphones you got stuff to do like you gotta just allow yourself to sit down and just absorb it and just get into well, it don't worry about it that pace. That, that, uh, that raises a great uh point because uh actually i made this point in the comedy film nerd's guide to movies mm-hmm. i did movie um you know classic movies mm-hmm. um you have to watch movies like this differently yeah you have mm-hmm. to get the patience to watch them and let them wash over you because yes. the way our brains work like you said with screens and looking and everything it's always quick information aquaman you know as much yeah. as possible but when a movie like this is slow your brain's first reaction is to reject what you're seeing immediately like yeah. like that it didn't help that the first half of this movie is incredibly slow <laughs> but you know what the way it's shot and the way it looks and the action on screen as you're watching it, your brain slowly adjusts to what yeah. you're seeing and the pacing, and then all of a sudden, halfway through, you're like, "Oh my god, I'm I'm loving this." It's movie. the emotional. Yeah. It's the emotional. Um, he elicits the emotions out of you like boiling a lobster. Yeah, <laughs> you're just like, "Oh, I'm watching this own slice of life," mm-hmm. and then, then yeah. holy fucking yeah, it, hell, it, like it, yeah. it creeps up on well, you. Well, there's also yeah. I want to. Uh, Perla gave me so much information. There were so many little subtle political yeah, things yeah, in yeah, there. Yeah. So. Her boyfriend is is in the uh, the hawk strike the so uh, the participation of a group of elite army soldiers known as Los Halcones. When she goes to visit him, mm-hmm. and I won't give any more information about why, but they were funded by 
the good old CIA. Yep. And there's a guy in a West Point shirt in the in, in the audience. It's real yep. subtle stuff. Mm. All the and he even says like. There's the new gringo or whatever. The new gringo or the gringo's been here for a while. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh. Yeah. It's what this we the CIA's been doing this for years, man. And and just little subtle things like that that give you the what what he does, and I just it's funny, I just watched a Children of Men mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. Mm-mm-mm. And what he puts together in a frame, Freddie, it's what you were talking about, the tapestry of Mexico City and everything yeah, that's going yeah. on there. Like I, there's a scene in, in Children of Men where they're, you know, they're like the whole frame tells you what that post-apocalypse, what that breakdown world looks like in Children of Men. Like I remember they're 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 on a they're on a boat and they're paddling out and just in the right corner of the frame is a dead bird floating. Mm-hmm. That just tells you shit's not wet going well. Yeah. When there's just yeah, dead, yeah, yeah. you know, just little things like that. And again, it's it's what he does as a filmmaker. It's that thing you're talking about, Chris. He puts all these little details in there. Now, film nerds like us, we're we're scanning the screen yeah, and noticing yeah. mm-hmm. this. But even if you're not, it's it's washing over you that you go oh my god this is really this is really intense you know and it it starts to starts to affect you even on a subconscious level if you're not aware of it and the same thing with this sound design yeah Mm -hmm. you're hearing these little awful things in the background that you're just like if you were in that neighborhood like was that a fucking gunfight is someone screaming wait a minute are they laughing or wait no oh my god that's a scream like what the yeah and and just the the detail that he put into it, and everything is like there's information packed in every kind of scene. Yeah. Although uh, maybe you guys can explain to me what the purpose of was of a ten minute long naked martial arts scene. So what's that? Uh, what was oh, that? I, what I, was well, that? I, uh, what I, 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 yeah, I felt ahead. like it was. Yeah. <laughs> what I love about it, because we're that good, because not to get too many spoilers, but mm. there's a few things. One, I like right away putting it. One, I think because it's about her, it would have been very easy to do that scene in a reverse way where there's some nudity with her to show some mm. sort of vulnerability. What I love is this is this child, this boy, because this boy ends up being something very evil to a degree later, and it's, whether or not it's his fault is a whole other thing. But it is this like bare exposure of young masculinity. That is nothing that can't help but be funny, right? That scene is mm-hmm. almost it's adorable. Meant to be like uncomfortable. it's like, yeah, yeah, because yeah. he's got this. He's he's doing this martial arts thing to impress her, and she can't do anything but hold back her laughter. And she's really kind about it, right? She doesn't actually mm. laugh in his face. His dick swinging around. His dick swinging <laughs> around. And he's like, look how impressive I am. He's got both sticks swinging. Baby. Yeah, but yeah. it tells. I love that scene because it tells you so much. Because I then if the it producer sits, went, look, we need an R rating. <laughs> yeah, we need an R rating. We need to tell people. We yeah. need to say it has nudity in it, and everybody, yeah. based off of what you're used to, you'd be like, oh, cool, there's nudity in it. But, <laughs> but it's um. But then it turns and you see like he's got this like really poignant story as to why he got into martial arts, and you understand like it makes him a char- It makes him a real person. You're like. This is a real reason he's into this, but then you can't help but remember that goofy image when you see what he becomes, and I yeah, think it just humanizes juxt- it. It's so the juxtaposition much. of how horrific he is to how silly, and and I think it is it's meant to shock you. I think you, if you could eye track everybody, everybody's looking at his donger. Let's yeah. be frank. <laughs> Everyone's in there, be like, I can't look away from this, and so it is. I think intensely from her point of view, and then also I think in a way, it's a very subtle way of getting into the idea of like, hey, sexuality, and this is has happened with in a very sort of a deft kind of touch being like by it the also reminded me because i remember everybody was was um talking up the eastern promises shower scene yeah yeah yeah. and like school scene but i remember that my first time when we saw it was like there's been way more dick in that scene <laughs> <laughs> like like everybody was like oh he's naked in there i'm like that scene should have been the roma scene it should mm-hmm. be like if you're gonna get him like like flopping around you're gonna be like oh, this is a bare masculine scene where you're gonna expose your vulnerabilities it's like 
well, don't don't do the Austin Powers covering it up like every two seconds right. with like a clever angle. Like, <laughs> just let it hang out, man. Like, do it or don't do it. I, I think that scene goes to everything we're talking about about um, Alfonso Cuarón, the, the director. Is that scene is doing so many things. It's not just this. He didn't go. Let's just have a silly scene with a guy doing yeah. martial arts. It was dicks flopping around, right? Right. So there's that level, and oh, it's this cute. They're in bed together, and isn't this cute? But it's like, no, you get his story. Yeah. Which again, everybody's per- little personal story is telling the bigger tapestry of what was going on in Mexico yeah. at this time. So he got into martial arts because he was born in the slums and he had a drug addict and this and that. He needed he discipline and he structure. Discipline. And while that's what they do, they scoop him up to put him yeah. in this count, this this hawk strike <laughs> thing to go do the government pushed by the CIA's bidding. Yeah, it shows you on a very personal level. And also, like, he's a filmmaker that likes messing with things. So nudity, you always have to show the woman nude. We only just see the guy's butt, right? That's traditional Mm. Hollywood. Now we're going to see a guy buck naked, swinging his crank around, Mm. you know, like, and it was so, he, he's. At some point I went, oh, well, he must have extra footage. <laughs> he's, just, he's just he's just shooting this. Could scene you imagine that scene? Long. If you take a second, just to imagine that scene without it, it would be it would just be this clothed guy mm-hmm. doing martial arts in front of this girl. It would be like such a different. It would just be, it would just be anything. Like it would, it would, uh, yeah, and, and 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 that scene again visually, he makes the audience go through this thing of like this guy's off. Yeah, yeah there's something of out of this dude. Oh God, tragic story. I have compassion for him. Oh I, wait a minute, he's a dick. You know, like <laughs> also, Caron just lost a bed. Actually, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> he just had. Yeah, he I will just say probably not. Probably not the ninety percent from his memories. That's <laughs> <laughs> that's in the ten percent. So yeah. yeah, but but yeah, I mean, it, it's sort of showing like. Or there's another shot that they cut out where he's in the corner. Yeah, he's in the corner, <laughs> being like practicing, practicing yeah. the moves. Being like this guy's got it. You seen these stick moves, dog? <laughs> but it, it really like I don't know I think it just it just shows to his brilliance as a filmmaker and also you know everyone's sort of the victim of their circumstance yeah you know she's and and this is by design too her and the other housekeeper are speaking an indigenous language they're not speaking Spanish so when it's in those brackets it's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. mixed uh, mixto I think mixto is, yeah. the, is it indigenous language to show the class structure the wealthy family speaking Spanish they're speaking an indigenous language to an indigenous a tribe that they... Grew. And that's what the brackets represent. Yeah, that's what the brackets represent. So they're speaking a different language. Mm-hmm. One of the things I thought that was really interesting about... I mean, again, we could talk for hours. Hours, on hours. This, this is what this what episode we do with Spoiler Up <laughs> on. Well, what was interesting about it, I think, was in, in this in this sort of interview, he talked Congo. a lot about the uh, editing, right? And the editing pace was really interesting because I love editing. I love getting sort of into the weeds on that. And there's a, a lot of the scenes... It ends, it doesn't cut where you think it'll cut. It lingers in a room just a little bit longer. You get like a little bit yeah. of sound design. You get a little bit of extra sort of stuff. And in the in that way, right, like the camera sort of becomes, uh, is, you know, for the longest time, it is with is with the character and you're like, oh, this is our point of view. But then it's like, after, you know, in the hospital or something, it's like you're kind of in that room for just a little bit longer and then we're on. And I thought it was really interesting in terms of a pacing sort of standpoint because, again, it lets you kind of soak in that, environment and that and and, and yeah the not to get too film school is very uh ozu where it's like they yeah. would because what it does it lets you sit there for a second like i love like they do a lot with a dog where there's like a really tense scene and then everybody leaves and it just leaves you with this image of like the dog at the door or the dog still trying to get outside or the dog sniffing yeah. his own poop or whatever mm-hmm. and it's just like 
it makes it feel real because it's like you're still in this world. Even when the characters leave, the world still exists. The world still exists. And yeah, it lets yeah. you, gives you a moment to digest what you just saw, which I think with a movie like this, again, there's some movies like I'm the easiest person to get to cry in a movie. Like I, I love getting emotional movies. I love movies that make me feel emotional. But there's a difference between that and like something that like really resonates on a poignant level. And only movies like this that kind of let you really think, get internally outside of the movie, kind of think, you know, within can really hit that and like yeah this is one of those movies that like you know is after the movie like as i was driving home where like i wept the most where i was like <laughs> thinking about it i yeah. i don't want to go into the specifics because i don't want to spoil anything yeah. but there's a couple of scenes and you got everyone here knows what the scenes yeah. i'm talking about where i was just like openly crying and then the 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 arc of her character that culminates at the end is is amazing and i'm sitting there as the, as the credits end and again the credit it's just a static shot yeah. with uh, graphics pop, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Airplane, airplane, modern life mm-hmm. goes by. Modern life, dogs barking <laughs> in different speakers in my mm-hmm. and, and I was sitting there going, how the fuck is this the same guy that did Gravity and Children? <laughs> how are this, this, this is the most amazing dude. Those are three drastically different movies, yep. different yeah. genres. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, his style is tracking shots and the POV of the protagonist. Yeah. He's very good at bringing you right into mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. they're... But I was like... What are his other oh. What are his other movies? He did uh, Gravity. Mama Tambien. Oh, um, Mama Tambien, that's right. And yeah. then, uh, I mean, my favorite... Well, not my favorite. Rome is my favorite. But um, Harry Potter 3. Harry Potter 3. He came, oh, in, he came Harry in and Potter brought three. and made Harry Potter, Harry Potter like... <laughs> yeah, beautiful cinematic <laughs> experience. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the segment in Paris, just <clears throat> May. Yeah. Let's bring up his director thing. And I forget his first movie. Second unit director, really... IMDb. Yeah, Great Expectations. That's right. That's very oh, good I as well. He did that. Little Princess. I mean, like Itu Mama Tom Band was the first movie that I got turned on by him, which I thought mm-hmm. was really good. Yeah, it's and, very good. I mean, and you just look at his. I mean, Itu Mama Tom Band is sort of classic quality over quantity. Like, yeah. there's not a yeah. thousand movies on there, but no. you know what? Take your time, make the movie you want to yeah. make, and he yeah. did it's Little okay Princess. if it takes a couple years between yeah. movies. He did Little Princess and Great Expectations, and then went back to Mexico to do a small Mexican film. I mean, between Children of Men and Gravity was, and Harry uh, Potter. was seven years. Yeah. 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 I'm just always, again, like, there's, you know, Filmmaking is a craft. It, it can be as much of a craft or as much of an art as the artists and craftsmen wish to be. And I, it's anybody that can do Gravity win a Best Picture and make this huge blockbuster. And then you have all the goodwill in the world in Hollywood at that moment, right? He could have he could have asked to do he would, James he could, he Bond or the he next Marvel, Marvel movie. Yeah, he could have done anything, but he chose. To go do this movie, he could have demanded like, to remake the Revenant out of jealousy of another Mexican <laughs> yeah. director. He could have done anything. And anytime I see somebody who has that ability to do whatever they want, and they go and do a personal story, that's always just really mm-hmm. impressive and beautiful to me. And like, I, I would urge anybody listening who hasn't seen, or even if you have seen it, do a little more research on the politics of the yeah. time because yeah. it really it, opens it does up. Help. Yeah, it does help. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you I told Frey that I was like, it's worth because it is. You don't need to know it for the movie to work because it just works as turmoil. But, like, it is one thing I wish – like, what I really love about when you watch Criterion movies is they often – I always read the essays before because they help you in the context of the time, which I think is important mm-hmm. for especially historical movies. It is worth knowing at least a little bit about what was going on in Mexico um, before you see this movie, I think. I yeah. think it helps a bit. And uh, so thank you, Perla, for all that information. But this movie is fantastic. See it. See it on the big screen. 
and it's gonna win. It's got to win Best Picture. Yeah, and to see it on the big screen, even though Netflix reluctantly didn't even want to put it there. Yeah, like they literally, it was like a fight. They had to get it onto uh, into the theaters. I think it was like limited at first, and they got so big because I remember yes. I, I got angry. I was like, it was limited just to get the yeah, um, yeah. the Academy Award um, yeah. qualifying run. Mm-hmm. I but never then, post stuff like go see this on Facebook, and I was like, everybody, it's. Thursday's the last day of this movie's come like is you gotta go see it then everybody texted me they were like it's, it has a million screenings yeah. I was like oh I guess they just added those yeah, they, <laughs> held over you did yeah. it you did it Matt you and your Facebook me personally yeah. you did it buddy Tessa Roundos was like wait a second let me check Matt Arnold's Facebook here <laughs> oh shit we should do more screenings <laughs> alright ready for our first sponsors let's of uh, 2019 let's do it I love it now we're changing a little bit we're not gonna have a lot of traditional sponsors as much right now and we're gonna be doing concentrating more on Patreon sponsors so mm. um Ladies and gentlemen, the Patreon sponsors of January 2019. Welcome. Johnny Rulon's back. Johnny! Yep. He's got a novel uh, titled Green Cheek, A Junkie's Guide to Street Magic. It's available on Amazon, both digital and hard copy. It's an experimental stream of consciousness novel, which follows the exploits of the muse Calliope and her mortal lover T.S. on a journey through time, dreams, and the hidden places of a supernatural America. Website is happyhorrorshowproductions.com. That's happyhorrorshowproductions.com. And the Audacity Performing Arts Project produces after-school performing arts projects in poor, underfunded, and low-performing schools. Performing arts education is not a luxury. Please visit them at audacityperformingarts.com. That's audacityperformingarts.com. And from Chris Parker Howard, Coffee Over Suicide is a dramedy podcast about mental illness and choosing life over death one cup of coffee at a time. Get caught up on season one now before the season two premiere in February of 2019, wherever podcasts are found. And you can find out more at coffeeoversuicide.com. And Alice Frazier, uh, co-host of the Bugle podcast and host of Tea with Alice, brings you a series of three genre-bending solo stand-up shows that explore the boundary between comedy and tragedy. They recorded back-to-back as a three-hour show at the Melbourne Comedy Festival in April 2018 with a binaural microphone, which creates an intensely immersive listening experience. AliceFrazier.com. And Rebecca Evans, the Evans. art podcast. We move past hesitation. We're true to ourselves. We find our own art in life. You want to hear some fun stories and get inspired? Check out the art at uh, facebook.com slash the art podcasts with an S. And the book La Calavera by Alan Ross. It's Calavera. The story of a pirate radio operator who decides to go into the pirate cable TV business. Darren Loney, together with a group of misfits and the questionable guidance of a spiritual advisor in the form of Richard Nixon, grew up to take on the world's largest media conglomerate and its egomaniacal celebrity CEO. It's on Amazon and ebook and hard copy. Now, a new sponsor, David Heineck, a composer of contemporary classical music that people actually like. DavidHeineck.com. Heineck. H-E-I-N-I-C-K. Now, I will say that. That's the nice short and sweet. You get one line and the URL. So, uh... We'll grandfather in all these longer ones, but... <laughs> but uh, oh, no, but, Dave Heineck's like that guy yeah, who ruins the curve for yeah, everybody else's yeah. school. Uh, but from now on, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll prefer the shorter ones. Short ones. <laughs> Quick, to um, the point. Thank you for supporting us, guys. Patreon.com slash comedy film nerds for $50 a month. We will give you the best marketing dollar you could ever Yes, possibly. it's our bread and butter to keep the show going for sure. The Patreon is really important. And if you guys want to help out, you know, you don't want to do the $50 tier, that's perfectly fine. You get cool stuff at five. And if you just want to throw us a bean or two, you could do a one or $2 a month. Uh, everything helps. It all helps. So uh, we appreciate any support you can give. Ready for some trailers, Let's watch Graham? Some trailers. Oh, oh thank what God! Men want. Remaking this yeah, movie. Yeah, finally. I, I mean, like, I'm like, oh. uh, I hope Mel Gibson still gets a producer credit on it too. That would be great. Um, I'm enjoying this dance. To yeah, the trailer starts the trailer. in uh, three to a good because we, we need a trailer countdown. <laughs> yeah, That's really uh, exactly what we need. 
pre-celebration for the big day, huh? I'm making partner, baby. <clears throat> Time to break that glass ceiling. We all know who deserves this. Give it up for our summit, Worldwide Sports Management's newest partner. Whoa! <laughs> Allie, that pass was actually to Eddie. I'm so sick of this boys club. Oh my god. Okay, so connect well with what would you rather watch? This movie or Overboard, the remake? I don't trust a man with no eyebrows and too many keys. I know someone you should talk to. I can help you connect with me. Why don't we have some tea? This smells like dirt. Oh, that's just jasmine tea. If you don't count the weed and the peyote and the crack. (laughs) So it's 45 minutes to set up this premise in the movie time. I'm getting it. Thank God this one didn't die on me. Starting today, no more drinking at work. Hey, that's too much information. I didn't say anything. What? what is happening? Yeah. She can hear what meets desperation. Okay, stop saying things you shouldn't be saying to your boss. Holy crap. Can you hear my inner thoughts? I can hear your inner thoughts. Ah! <laughs> uh, Freaky Friday. Hear <laughs> that cloud you're walking through? That's my farts. Yeah. It was a psychic. She gave me this tea. Boy, men say like terrible it? things. <laughs> Why would you want to hear what they have to say? Why weren't you complaining about men trying to keep you down? Do we have any meetings on the books? Nothing yet. Except the private poker game tonight. This is not a curse. This is a gift. You no, this movie is a curse. I should tap that Not a is. gift. Fight at a wedding. What you doing at the big boys' table, huh? Two grand. I'm bluffing these fools. I'm missing real Mark house. Cuban. Mark Cuban. Yeah. <laughs> Why am I thinking in the third person? I wonder if he uh, funded this toast. movie. Am I having a stroke? Wait, I have toast in my pocket. Whew. Hi, guys, right? It's so mm. crazy. I think that was very polite considering the premise. I yeah. Was yeah. Just yeah. A lot <laughs> Uh, that's a, there's the red band coming out in a couple weeks. Yeah, I'm like, what are, is, really, that, is that really all the things men are <laughs> thinking in their innermost thoughts? That's all just that's it. And poker wow, games okay. And, and uh, farting. Yeah. That's all right. Oh, what so percentage that you know of that what? movie? Maybe that's not so bad. Yeah. What percentage <laughs> of that movie do you think is like Tracy Jordan hilarity, random stuff he's thinking about? It's, I mean, what better a way lot, to get somebody to improvise than you can just do it later in voice? That's yeah, true. That's true. Listen, just look like you're thinking hard. We'll figure out what your joke <laughs> we'll is figure later. Out the yeah. later. I would watch this movie if uh, Tracy Jordan was just thinking, I wish I was in a better movie. This <laughs> oh, it's like time. meta. You got like this, de- oh, you got yeah. one Deadpool character being yeah. like, I'm in a movie. Where they get <laughs> yeah, there's a fight at a wedding. I mm. hope, I wonder if, if there's a p- swimming pool, someone's going to get pushed into it. Of course. Oh, you yeah. think the wedding cake gets ruined? Yeah. Oh, I do like good. that. Crack or cocaine is now just the new marijuana. Everybody's like, it's we've done marijuana brownies too often. Now I feel like yeah, we need we like, need to go one edge. We need to go higher. Yeah. Oh, we, we gotta keep going. Some crack and some crack in this. Oh, what else? Wouldn't it be greater than the whole rest of the movie? Is just she becomes a fucking crack addict. You know, <laughs> she's just uh, they got her hooked on it. Yeah, it's horrible. That'd be funny, right? No. <laughs> also, yeah. if she does any, if she does any good at this could, poker game, it's like could, the you, moment that you're doing that, you're going to the World Series of Poker and winning yeah. that, yeah, right? And like, you, uh, you wouldn't give a shit about this dumb office gig. It's like you, I could be a millionaire 
there instantly by winning every poker yeah. game? Yeah. Okay, cool. See ya. And you could hear what your Coke dealer is thinking and find out where he keeps his stash. <laughs> it's just like you know? if you could hear that, like, you would, I'm going to become the boss. You'd be like, I'm going to Vegas and in 24 hours, yeah. I'm yeah. retiring done. from yes. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Go to one blackjack table. All right. Here's the next uh, the next film. Us. Yeah. It's Us. This is the follow-up to Get Out of Jordan Peele's movie. It starts in a car going to somebody's relatives, maybe? I got five on it, mean. It's about drugs. It's not about drugs. It's a dope song. Don't do drugs. Get in rhythm. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Nice. Monkey Paw is the name of his production company. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> you hear Gabe got a boat? He's kidding, right? He's not kidding. Hey, I think it's vodka clock. Oh, yeah. Why is that kid Who's wearing Jason? a mask on his head the entire time? <laughs> Jason? Jason? You know, I thought... I didn't know. I thought that was done with uh, 90s songs with, like, creepy versions. But you know what? I'm in on this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, are you, are you kidding? Just from the writer-director of Get Out, it doesn't matter what this movie I'm is. In. Everyone's going to go there. see it. Yeah. yeah. Trailer done, one minute in. It's probably the neighbors. But y'all scared of a family? Uh, can I help you? I don't even know what this movie's about, and I'm so, going to go see it. Put your shoes on. If you want to get crazy, we can get crazy. Oh, God, that's terrifying. <laughs> You people. It's us. They look exactly like us. They think like us. They know where we are. We need to move and keep moving. They won't stop until they kill us. So creepy. And we kill them. Carter full of rabbits. <laughs> watching Watership Down. I saw Boardwalk with Tater Twists, and now I just, I just want Tater Twists. <laughs> Y'all see that Tater Twists shout out? So this is like a, a, it's almost like a mix of like, Get Out, The Strangers, and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Like yeah, it's like a little piece wild. of each. Yeah. I mean, Lupita Nyong'o is a, a phenomenal actress, and yep. see, I mean, I, I'm and and look, when you do creepy walking, scurry in a weird, creepy way, mm-hmm. and maybe he's doing some sort of effects or he's speeding up the whatever. I, it's that is like the creepiest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you just see a human just like weird scurry, yeah, like a yeah. rat or like an weird animal scurry, spider. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, weird spider scurry. Yeah, spider mm-hmm. scurry. Mm-hmm. I'm, this looks. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it's gonna I'm, be good. I'm down. He, he's Get Out was amazing, so he so, wins. All right. So uh, let's talk about the Golden Globes a little bit. This is going to be an extra supersized episode. Uh, just briefly, want to talk about them. Okay. And uh, um, first of all, the the uh, hosts were and the monologues were absolutely god awful. Like who it was, host, like, who it was Andy Samberg and 
uh, and Sandra O. Oh, and it's not their fault. They're very charismatic, mm-hmm. fun um, actors and comedians. And, you know, they had literally nothing to work with. Like, all of a sudden, oh, we ran out of money for the Golden Globes. We can't really hire writers. So just make it up as you go along up there. Like, there was not one funny joke. Nothing landed. Or they hired mm-hmm. funny writers, and they all got network noted to death. Yeah, it really, it felt like, well, we can't do anything. It was like, just... I think Ricky Gervais ruined it for everybody. <laughs> like, yeah, he was probably. So, he was so uh, he went after everybody so ruthlessly. Now everything's all nice. Even when they make jokes, like ah, you know, it's not you know, no one's afraid. Everyone's afraid to go after anybody or say mm-hmm. anything, even remotely controversial. So, uh, but what was interesting too is they um, the hosts did the monologue up front, then disappeared for the entire rest of the show until the end. Like, uh, like so. I don't know what uh, it was again too long, but usually when you're hosting an award show, you see the host periodically throughout. Yeah, but they you, check you didn't in, yeah. at all. You didn't see them at all and, until towards the end. I mean, you know, maybe. Uh, but it was it was weird that I guess they're like, you know what? We don't really have any more words to say, so we're uh, we're gonna stick. We're not gonna stick around. So best picture, um, Bohemian Rhapsody beat out Black Panther, Black Klansman, and If Beale Street Could Talk and A Star Is Born. So it was a little bit of an upset on uh-huh. Golden Globes. They everyone was kind of thinking Star Is Born because of Lady Gaga. Mm. Um, but uh, I will say this: um, If Beale Street Could Talk, again, the uh, filmmaker from Moonlight. Yeah, and uh, uh, Jenkins, what's his name? Barry Jenkins. Barry Jenkins. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, he has possibly the worst publicist for his movies ever. Uh, because when you look at, if you remember Moonlight, when that came out, nobody cared. Came and yeah. went. Disappeared from the theaters. When the Golden Globes got a hold of it and said, you need to see this movie. Then all of a sudden it came back in the theaters. I remember going to see Moonlight in theaters and the people in front of me going, um, did this movie just come out? And the, the ticket taker was like, no, nah, it was out months ago. Just no one came. So, <laughs> wow. so, And this is the same thing. If Beale Street could talk, it's, again, it's like it came into the movie theaters with very little fanfare or promotion. Yeah. It's like, I, I will say this, it's an interesting strategy, but you can't rely on the Golden Globes to promote your movie every time. Yeah, so uh, so uh, uh, it's worked these two times. Chances are it may not work again. Yeah. Uh, but uh, And it's a shame because his movie's, deserve to get promoted and they deserve to be a little bit more um more visible rather than like like look how visible roma was with all the netflix money yep. behind it like i dare you to even mention any of the other foreign language films in the category oh, man. netflix yeah. mm-hmm. they promote they promote for the emmys yeah. they promote for the golden globes yeah. and the other i mean they they understand the value of, of getting not just nominations yeah. even and this is only the stuff you and i see like the yeah. stuff behind the scenes of sending shit to uh, oh, yeah. voters yeah, and yeah, foreign yeah, press yeah, you yeah, god yeah. knows what they're you know they're probably sending gold bars or whatever with netflix <laughs> engraved on them yep uh so best motion picture mu- musical or comedy the dumbest category of the golden globes because <laughs> every movie in this category chances are it's neither every once Green in a while Book isn't a comedy no it is not and it won um mary poppins returns okay you could say that's loosely a musical for sure and crazy rich asians is actually a comedy but uh um, you know, stuff like is, you know, it's also Bohemian Rhapsody has a lot of music in it. Yeah, yeah. What do you want that <laughs> to be under musical or comedy? <laughs> and it has like, more com- it, comedic scenes. Yeah. <laughs> it, and, and what about Star is Born? Shouldn't that be under musical? Yeah. Uh, so it, it's literally the drama and musical or comedy categories are literally just random and arbitrary. Like you don't, like The Martian was in there. Yeah, you know, I remember that. <laughs> so, 
So it, it's silly. But uh, Green Book, now you saw Green Book and you liked it. You know, it was good. It's, a, it's a good movie, although I read an article on this website, The Black Agenda Report, and uh, it interviewed the family of the guy that was, and they're like, this isn't how it went down at all. Oh, well, I'm sure it got Hollywoodized. Yeah, sure. Hollywood very much uh, whitewashed this relationship. Wow. Apparently, in the actual story, the guy, they weren't that good of friends. They fired him. And in the movie, um, you yeah, know. That's not a movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, Marshall Ali. That's a really good documentary. Look, yeah. they're, they're two good actors, and they, they're good, act, yeah. and good acting scenes together. But the, and the reality was um, the actual guy he wasn't like oblivious to black culture because mm. he he grew up, you know, educated. That was like, no, are you kidding right. me? And um, those magic words in Hollywood based on. Yeah. Based on. <laughs> and the, this article was very, very compelling because it was like, this is sort of typical Hollywood's, you know, racist depiction. Mm-hmm. Black people can only be this or that. And, and you know, it's pretty, it's pretty damning in terms of what they did uh, to the actual story. As far as just a movie made with acting and writing and decent scenes, it's a well-constructed mm-hmm. movie, but I hate it when Hollywood does that shit. As when they change for all these silly reasons, any sort of historical drama, mm-hmm. let alone when they, you know, got to make a white hero when he wasn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was, in real life, the driver was fired because he was a racist dick. Mm-hmm. They weren't like buddies till the end of their lives. Like, <sighs> Well, I'm going to play devil's advocate on that a little bit because um, ultimately if you want to get um, racism more into the public conversation um, and a movie like this to actually um, move forward and get attention and get awards um, is the greater good to ha- make these changes to make the movie more accessible and palatable to start the conversation. Is there value in that? Yeah, there might be some value in that, mm-hmm. but I think when you look at the history of sort of Hollywood's white guilt mm-hmm. <laughs> and not wanting to really address it and then whitewashing a story that isn't, this isn't how it, you know, and it's like we talked about, I mean, it's a valid point to bring up. So, so you know, we talked about the um, uh, the NASA math movie. I always forget. Oh, Hidden Figures. Mm-hmm. Hidden Figures, right? And we're like, and then we're like, was Kevin Cost? Did we really need Kevin the white hero that knocks mm-hmm. down the bathroom? That didn't really happen. Like, uh, I, I think it in some ways could open the door to a, to a better conversation. But I think when Hollywood is obviously doing these sort of misrepresentations through its own guilt or whatever, I, I don't think it helps because yeah. it, it, it makes people go... Yeah, uh, or if it's progressed at all. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I would, I would say, yeah, it'd be a good thing to open it up if, uh, let's start with the 70s. I feel like we've been having this conversation for 40 years. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> These light movies being like, well, this will open up the conversation. Cool, bros, it's been 40 years. How, how's that coming along? To be clear, I haven't everybody? seen it, but the I, don't, I didn't read the same article, but obviously mm-hmm. uh, being uh, you know an elite liberal in uh, the West Coast, obviously I read a thousand hot takes on any movie that involves anything serious so but people were compared to like driving miss daisy and it's like that's where a movie was made 40 did it. 30 years ago like maybe we mm-hmm. could do let's, something let's, else uh, let's uh, try right. something else 21 mm-hmm. our boys black Klansman, yeah. mm-hmm. which i mean we saw and black Klansman was very good oh if you want right. to be entertained that- uh speaking of black Klansman, is uh watch the trailers back to back because uh there is one that shows as a comedy satire and there's oh, one as wow. a serious drama so it's uh, literally there's trailers that show tones of two completely different films. Well, Black Klansman is based on a book, and they stayed pretty close to it. And it's mm-hmm. Spike Lee's the director. So yeah. I, I one of my favorite Spike Lee joints in the wild too. I yeah. guess. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And it was like that's the thing. 
I just get, I just, when I read that article, I was like, ah, all right, Hollywood, you missed another opportunity. Cause like you say, it's been, we've been talking about this for 40 some years. I was, cinema. I was so blown off, blown away by that because when I first was like, oh, they're doing, they're doing the green book. And I was like, I'd known a little bit about like sort of that, that book. I was like, oh wow, that, that's a great suspense horror movie about trying to get <laughs> through the American <laughs> South and you don't know who's following I, you like a tight suspense I, thriller. I Amazing. Think I think you're thinking of green room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, oh cool i can't wait for that and like it's like a light comedy i was like sorry sorry what mm -hmm. that's what this was about mm -hmm. okay, right. so now best motion picture animated uh this i thought was a really strong category and i hope the academy awards kind of follows this incredibles 2 isle of dogs mirai there's always a japanese animated one that is impossible to find yep. yeah and uh, our, which i really wanted to see but it our friend said it's fantastic and yeah the, um, huge fans um, of mamoru hosada's stuff is like just amazing well did you see your name uh, so oh. that yeah, so that was uh, Makoto Shinkai, and I mm. love your name. Mamoru mm. uh, uh, Hosada has a movie called Summer Wars, Summer Wars. which is amazing, okay. amazing. Yeah, like it's too. so well Wolf drawn, and the, yeah, great, just yeah. fantastic director. So I'm hoping to see this one for sure. Um, oh. once it becomes available to uh, more than four people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Ralph breaks the internet, and then winner Spider Man to the Spider Verse, which I thought deserved it, but yeah, it's a fantastic. strong category. Like if any of these would have won, it would have been like okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Best Motion Picture Foreign Language, of course, Roma. Okay, so. I want to talk about that real quick since mm -hmm. we were just talking about Roma. Um, great. I'm glad it won something. But when the Oscars come along, this better get a best picture. I don't want it. Yeah, I guess the I don't rules, want it. Does, can it not qualify? Yeah, they're bringing up in the Golden Globes. If you submit as a foreign film, you can't get nominated yeah, for you, the two. Whereas in the Oscars, that's not the case. Like if you submit as a foreign film. So Mexico submitted as a foreign as its right. film for the Golden Globe. So it's not eligible for the other two awards. Okay. It's all about how they're submitted. Yeah, like, so I mean, the Oscars, you can submit for both the foreign and for... Oh. I mean, that's why you've had Crouching Tiger and you've oh, had okay, other okay. foreign films okay. that were submitted and right. still be nominated. So I'm pretty know. sure Roma's... I would be shocked if Roma does not get a Best Picture, especially now they do 9 ten, and 10. Yeah, yeah. 10 nominations. Mm -hmm. That'd be a snub. I have uh, excuse yet. me, up to 10. Up to 10. Yeah, up to 10. It's always like weird. Like, yeah, it's always 9. And there's a bunch of Oscar films that I haven't seen yet because we're in that season where they're just... They're dumping them all over LA to watch and you're getting the screeners which i know there's more i need to see but i don't i don't see anything beating roma that's how i felt i just like i walked out of there going i don't know that anyone else like i haven't seen beautiful boy yet looks like a really good story and compelling and stuff but have you seen bodied no <laughs> <laughs> you guys gotta see bodied if you haven't you seen haven't Bodied. Seen joseph khan's uh, battle rap movie joseph khan the music video director of all the taylor swift and britney spears back oh in the days God. he did detention he's a bombastic director and check very, it out. very worth checking out mm. all right watch it together YouTube. it's on youtube red <laughs> yeah. yeah okay <laughs> all right and dvd and blu-ray we have hellfest this is the uh, horror movie about you know oh there's a killer in the actual you know um Halloween mazes. I'm like, oh, okay. We've seen that premise about eight times already. <laughs> now uh, a big studio took. Well, hopefully, uh, they can kill over. the people walking slowly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but again, let's go into this chainsaw booth. Here's, here's two things about this movie that I'm just going to guess are right, even though I haven't seen it. Um, there's not one actor in there you could uh, name. And it made a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> Probably true. And yeah. its budget was between five and ten million. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. It uh, made a profit. Uh, mid '90s. This is uh, Jonah Hill's um, coming of age movie. Mm. So that's also I out. now. It. It's interesting. These are the only two real DVD and Blu-ray releases this week. So um, 
I would recommend that uh, there's a lot of stuff in the theaters, especially now that, you know, we're getting into Oscar season. Um, check out some of the ones you may have missed. I mean, they're on streaming. There's yeah, in yeah. theaters. There's a lot of good stuff to see right now. So check it out. And uh, on the site spotlight, um, we are um, going through a lot of um, Dana Gould's merch is now limited edition. They're not making anymore. So we are going through our stock on Dana Gould stuff. So uh, I'm I put up a coupon, Dana, D-A-N-A, that's 20% off all of Dana Gould merchandise. That's the Bevilacqua shirts, the Dana Gould Hour shirts, the uh, Opera Man shirts, the uh, LPs, CDs, DVDs, anything Dana Gould is now 20% off. Uh, so check it out. And we're also extending the free T-shirt. Ooh. So buy one T-shirt, get one free. So if you buy a Dana Gold shirt, you will get a, um, a free mystery shirt. And they will, we will be continue doing that until supplies, while supplies last. So... All right. Coming out this week, The Upside. Yeah, now this is an interesting movie. The Upside is actually a remake of a French film called The Intouchables about a uh, quadriplegic and his um, caregiver. And then they, uh, they, that's uh, right. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. create a, um, an, you know, an unexpected friendship. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say this. The French film was actually very good. Yeah. I saw yeah, it. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah. Um, it was one of those movies, again, under the radar, but we had a neighbor actually said, oh, you got to see this movie. I'm Isn't like, it based right. on a true story? Yes. Okay. I think so. Is it? I thought based it was. Based on. Yeah, based yeah, yeah. on. I'm sure I, something like that yeah, has yeah. probably happened yeah, yeah. <laughs> at some point <laughs> in the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, this is one of those things where is, well, is a remake really necessary? Can you just watch the original mm-hmm. film? I'm sure it's fine. I don't need, you know. It's got Brian but, Cranston and Kevin Hart. Yeah. I really like Brian Cranston. It's good casting for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I will say this, that, and uh, even if you see this movie and you don't like it, check out the original. Because okay. the original is okay. really uh, um, poignant and heartfelt for sure. And it's one of those ones, again, that, you know, is a slow start, but just gets under mm-hmm. your skin and just manipulates you <laughs> towards the end. Um, yeah, a Dog's Way Home. You know, this is porn for dog lovers. I mean, really, this Did is Petco all. Did Petco pay for this? Yeah, like, exactly. come on. I, mean, I just want the dogs to talk. Let me yeah. let me just get yeah. talking to dogs back in there. And if I guess you get that, mm-hmm. I'm there. That's better than a dog movie for porn yeah, lovers. It's like, yeah. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> so, so you know, if you're a uh, a dog, if you're a dog owner. Um, great, you might like it. If you're a crazy <laughs> dog owner who thinks your dog is a person, um, you're going to be in this movie the opening weekend. <laughs> yeah, so. You're going to mm-hmm. move inside the theater. <laughs> right, yeah. And bring, you're going to bring your dog to the screen. Yes, you are. Yep. yep I'm sure there's like some, some theaters figuring out, oh, they'll do some kind of dog screening. We'll bring them in. Oh, One of my favorite yeah. comments on these dog movies was uh, we were in the theater once with my dad, like around Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and passing by these displays, and it was a dog movie. I'm like, hey, it's a dog movie. You, you mom and like those? He's like, no, I don't like those movies. I'm like, oh, yeah, really? Why not? It's like, because I don't want to be in public crying in public. I'm like, so you just cried all the time. I was like, yes, they're so adorable. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'd rather be at home watching it so I can cry at home in the privacy of my bed. See? I'm like, good point, dad. That's a marketing problem. Yep. yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah, yeah, it's like every time I see a dog movie, it's like, are you ready to shed tears? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's not as the movie good or bad. Nobody asks, was that a good dog movie? They just yeah. say, so did you? So did you cry? Did you cry? Yeah. Did did water leak from your tear ducts <laughs> during this movie? That's uh, what you're in for. And the next movie is Replicas. This is the Keanu Reeves sci-fi clone movie released in January. Hmm. <laughs> I wonder how good this movie's gonna be. Let me just shake the magic movie eight it's ball. Called, <laughs> no, the subtitle's just are you waiting for John Wick 3? Well, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> check this out as well. 
My sources say no. Yeah. Ah, well, Boom. that's our episode, Action guys. packed. How about it? First show of 2019. Back in it. Uh, so, uh, gentlemen... Uh, Freddie and Matt, where can people find you guys on the internet? And listen, you're in a podcast, mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can find our podcast wherever podcasts are sold at uh, our Twitter. Ours are free. Ours are free. <laughs> Ours are free. Wait, they're not sold. Not sold. Not sold. Free. Um, our Twitter's at RJ Storybreak. I'm at F Wong on the old Twitters. Uh, you have mine written down. I don't know my Twitter. Matt's at Matt L. Arnold. All the other Thanks, letters Freddy. were taken. <laughs> <laughs> So check out Story Break. Thank you guys for for doing Thanks this. Thanks for having us. Thank you. It was an honor. Mm-hmm. We, we don't get to talk about movies this way on our show because we're coming up with stuff. So it is always like, it's just like a dump of information for us. Nice. We love it. Um, well, uh, guys, Progressive Comedy Tour this week. Ron Placone and I are going to Florida. Uh, January 9th, we are in Gainesville. January 10th, we are in Coral Gables. That show's almost sold out. Uh, January. Um, what would that be? 11th, we are in Orlando. That show's almost sold out. And January 12th, we're in Jacksonville. So get your tickets at GrahamElwood.com. And of course, I'm headlining in Chicago in February. And then, you know, March through June, more progressive comedy tours. We are going to Louisiana, Texas, Salt Lake City, Boise, and the East Coast. So go to GrahamElwood.com for that. All right, check that out. And uh, um, how many shows in Florida? Four. Four. Oh, yeah, four great. shows, four nights, mm-hmm. Wednesday through you Saturday. You said one's almost sold out. They got to get tickets for that two one. Of the, two of them are actually all almost sold out. Mm-hmm. Orlando and Coral Gables, which is right in the Miami area, are almost sold out. Oh, great. So get your tickets. Get so your progressive on. Get your progressive on. <laughs> and uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want to mention that uh, my new podcast, uh, my new season of my podcast, Conversations from the Abyss, it is dropping this month, uh, the new season of eight episodes. Everything is done. Every two weeks, a new episode will drop. Got some uh, great people on this time uh janet varney annie savage uh cecil baldwin welcome to night vale will be on january 15th to uh, as a man who meets a better version of himself in his apartment and they discuss how one of their lives went wrong so check out if you like uh black mirror or uh the twilight zone you uh, wanted to make an audio version of it conversations from the abyss in fact um graham interviews me to talk about this show and that will be uh, also on the feed as well as the comedy film nerds feed later in the week so if you want to hear more about the show and also the graphic novel long ago and far away signed copies available at comedyfilmnerds.com Thank you guys so much uh, for listening to us and um, joining us here in 2019. Thank you to Matt Arnold and Freddie Wong for doing the show. Thanks for having us. Uh, Thank you to Aaron Brungart on the ATC ones and twos. And everybody here at All Things Comedy, my name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han Han shot shot first. first. Upside down rain. (laughs) (laughs) It's not served.